Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is Monday. Was it December? What is it, Zach? The 17th? It is. December 17th, uh, 2018. And you guys listened to episode 383. Uh, and I'm back doing this in the Riot Cast. Uh, Bobby Kelly, thanks to him and everybody at Riot Cast for letting me use the studio, even though I'm an all things comedy guy. Uh, they're always nice to me up here, and I'm sitting here with a very special guest making his uh, second appearance um, on the Verzi Effect. The one, the only, my dude who's wearing a shirt. We're going to get into that. I didn't even know. Uh, Jerry Ferrara is here. Thanks, Jerry, for being here again. You know what? I'm happy to be here, and if memory <laughs> serves me correct, I was like a crazy hour late, and I'm never late, so that last one we did was a little on the rush side, because I cut into the studio time, so now yeah. we got we got time. No, we got to, Yeah, I was like, I was like, I panicked, and I was only like eight, nine minutes. Like, being late in traffic, isn't it the worst, most helpless? It, it's, it's, it's helpless. Like, yeah. you jumped out of the car, I think, and started running. I did. Yeah. Because yeah. I was in an Uber that was going nowhere. I basically, I just, I footed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 helpless it, yeah you want to just that's so funny you just ditched the car i felt like doing that in my car once but here's the crazy thing that i was thinking about the last time i hung with you we got in a car do you remember this we got in a car to go to soho cigar Lounge. yes and what, something and the, happened the driver at the red light the he driver got out. got out and started like running in place that's right that's right dude i swear i'm not even bullshitting this is me me and jerry just were hanging out the it first was like time a computer ever. glitch it was like the guy glitched <laughs> he just stopped at a light we're talking shooting the shit and then the guy just opened the door got out and we just stopped and looked at each other and he did some sort of yoga <laughs> he did some sort of yoga or calisthenic something and then he waited and then got in and you were just like it was funny i didn't even it didn't even you just go can we not forget that? What can, I'm not gonna forget that. Like the guy just got out and started doing yoga shit. And he, like, he he namasteed right in the middle of the fucking street. It was bizarre. Always some weird, bizarre shit with you on similar shits. Weird. And here's and here's another example of this. Okay, as you guys know, uh, people have always said that Jerry and I kind of speak like talk like like the same exact teams. You know, Burr was like, you know, we're both our mutual friend Bill Burr. Bill's like, dude, it is the same fucking guy, and um. But I start talking to him about boxing, you know. I he was talking to him. I told him I saw the Creed two movie, which I've already given a review on this podcast. Um, I want to talk, and then we started talking about uh, Arturo Gatti, who was you know kind of like that Rocky type. Dude, yeah. I would that guy was one of the only guys that I've seen where you're like, there's no way this is over. This fight is over. He's bleeding from his eyes. Because he always had the puffy, he had the puffy, thin skin around the eyes. They used to say he used to get cut walking out to the ring for, for the announcements. He was already bleeding. He was puffy. He was bleeding early. Yeah. And by the fifth, you're like, he looks like he got hit in the face with a truck. And then the guy just turned it on. And without knowing, Jerry goes, holy shit. And he opened up his jacket and he's got an Arturo Gotti um, t-shirt on, which is nuts. And he's from Jersey, he's from Jersey City. He's from Jersey via uh, Canada. Um he came, I think he um, might have been like born in Italy and then like went to then somewhere in Montreal, I think, and then came down through Jersey and spent a lot of his formative years, definitely his formative boxing years in Jersey. My favorite fighter of all time. Once upon a time, I had secured some rights through with his manager, Pat Lynch. We were going to do the Otero Gotti story. And uh, then I got a little old to get in that kind of shape. It's a whole, that's why you talk about Creed too. You look at like, what Michael B. Jordan did to get himself in that kind of shape. Like yeah, that's he that's crazy. not just like, hey, we're gonna go do this cool movie 
and play a boxer. Like, no, he changed. He 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 transformed his life. Like he became he, a boxer. He became a boxer. The closest thing you can be to. I mean, there's still. I'm sure a lot of right. boxers will say, "No, he's not a boxer." Right. right. And that's true. But <laughs> the closest acting version of a boxer that could be. And then yeah, you start talking about it, and we're starting to tell Gaddy stories. And I forgot I had my Jersey City Arturo Gaddy shirt. On. It's crazy. Fight. I I opened for Bill Burr a few years back, where. He, Tyson beat Spinks in Caesars. No, no, in uh, in the Boardwalk on. Uh, so yeah, in wait, Atlantic wait. City on that. There's Tyson a, Spinks in, in in like eighteen seconds. That one to ninety one seconds, and and we I before there was like six thousand people where we performed, and um, we Jesus. were in the Arturo Gotti room. The, the green room was after him, and yeah. I thought that that was that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I saw Creed two. Michael B. Jordan's body looked insane. So what did you um? So, and we're going to talk a bunch of shit about sports. We talk about everything, man. But um, what did you do when you were training for it? That was, would you say, like the hardest? Were you getting up at five o'clock in the morning and running, like doing that, or no? So, the first thing in my very limited boxing experience, I did. I, I, I mean, I never fought in Golden Gloves or anything like that. I, yeah. I would just train to like stay in shape, even when I was a teenager, and always loved the sport more than anything. For whatever reason, whatever boxing coach I worked with when I was twelve, I just grew up fighting and learning how to fight Southpaw. I don't know why I'm a righty. It just was the way I... So the first thing I had to do was sort of get turned around to the right side. And um, first I started working with Jay Glazer from NFL, you know, and him yeah, from Fox. Fox yeah. But Jay is also, you know, MMA, boxing. Is he a boxer? He's just a fight. Like he just has studied every form. And he also is the most like connected guy in that world too. So if you need a specific trainer for something, he either knows it himself or knows the best person I mean, gotcha. he had me like sparring, lightly sparring with like Randy Couture. He's like, oh, you're going to work out with Randy today. I'm like, oh, okay. You mean like the greatest <laughs> UFC fighter of all time? All right, fine. And then, um, so that kind of started me off. Then I started training at Wildcard at Freddie Roach's in, in Hollywood. And uh, nice. again, you know, we could only get so close. A boxer's life is a whole other life yeah. that no one, no actor should ever say, yeah, I was, I was like a button. No. Right. But I mean, yeah, waking up at five, doing road work and then training twice shit. a day. And it's just a whole, yeah. still never getting the full experience though of getting the shit kicked out of you in the ring. Right, right. You're not, you're not taking full blows, but you're still going through what they kind of go through in the morning, what they go through during the day and the workout regimen, which is still pretty intense probably. Yeah. And they always say like, the, I always love that say like old school trainers like Mickey would probably be like no women before a fight I'm like, right. who the fuck could even have energy to be with a woman I was like <laughs> falling asleep at 7 o'clock at night so now how long did you do this for uh about almost a year I mean with wow. with moments where like it would I would you know two months I would have to go work on something else and then get back to it but I was for sure in the best wow shape of my life I got down to like 146 which is oh my god too skinny now can't those guys gain and lose weight within a day like of, of the weigh in, like I've seen guys that were like last night he was this. What is this? Is that all water well, retention? Like it is, and it's almost like a skill set, right? Like there's there's if you're really breaking down the finer points of the fight, there's some guys who are like, all right, so you're fighting at one one fifty five. They're a natural like one sixty, so they only have to cut five pounds, which is nothing. That's like right. skipping breakfast and taking a nice BM, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Then there's other guys who like prefer to fight at one fifty five, but they really walk around like one eighty. That's crazy. So like throughout their camp and then before the fight, they're cutting off that kind of weight. But like if you see them in four days later, they're 180 pounds. So like 
those are all the the finer points that I think the the casual fan don't really think about. Like, yeah, they're fighting at one fifty five, but that dude's really one eighty five. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's sick, man. And I saw that. Did you see the Fury fight with the- yes, yes? So I I I was really into that, man. Me and my older brother, we watched it. We got back home on time and we watched it. I got it at the house, and I thought it was fantastic. It was a very entertaining fight. He Fury's for sure entertaining, and and. Wilder's entertaining in his own way because also he has that one punch threat where well that's what he was matter. waiting for. He was yeah. he was hunting. He was hunting the whole fight. You saw it. Both and I noticed both guys, uh for you people that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the heavyweight championship fight between uh Deontay Wilder and um Tyson Fury, who came back after two years of the depression. Um that story, you know, hit me because I kind of went through that in 16. Sure. So I heard him talking about like the dark place that he was in and all that shit and it was just like, "Oh, I was curious to see what would happen." But when he got up from that, dude, like no no one gets up from that. He popped up like the Undertaker. He sat up at 5. He was out. And here's the thing. He got hit on the way down. He, so he got hit and then while he's going down, he got hit and then Wilder was even like, "It's over. It's over." And I'm going, "There's no way." And he he even had that daze looking up in the air. And then he just sat up. I thought the fight was good. Here's the thing, though. This is why the UFC is kicking the shit out of boxing. Because it's not enough. It's not enough. Now we're going to have to wait. The Lord knows how long we're going to have to wait. What Dana White and what the UFC does is the best guy's got to fight the best guy. Every two months, there's a, an amazing fight where you're like, oh, let's get that. There's going to be four or five undercards that, that's going to be great. And that boxing just needs to come back. Because I personally, and, and this is no disrespect, to anybody that does MMA or UFC, I, I like the art of boxing better. I think hand-to-hand, I like the skill. I think it's just, I just like that instead of kicking somebody and shit. And I know people are like, no, what are you talking about? Those guys know jujitsu. I get all that. I know that they have the grappling and the wrestling. I just like two guys toe-to-toe who's faster with their hands. And I, but boxing's in a bad way right now, man. Yeah, it's a lot of what you said. No, the good, the best of the best aren't necessarily fighting each mm-hmm. other. And then you do have outcomes that, you for sure could poke holes, and I feel like the UFC does a really good job. Of course, there's terrible decisions in the UFC too from time to time, but yeah, way less than some of the stuff. I mean, the the Triple G Canelo stuff is yeah. is so confu- It's just it's just confusing. Even it because the second fight was judged entirely different than the first, fight. and it's like, how are you? It's almost like I they need more the, judges. I didn't see the second one. But I heard, I, I still heard that, tri- but Triple G losing the first one or the draw in the first one was a travesty but to me. Then I also, like, it's one thing, okay, for the second fight, Canelo won. Let's, they, they said Canelo won, Canelo won, or whatever. But then you look at some of the margins. Where so who, who do you think won? I thought Triple G won both fights. Okay. Well, he definitely Close. won. He definitely won the first one. Right. But Close the s- margins all the way. But I think in both fights, whatever judges had Canelo, had Canelo by a wide margin. There's always so, that one judge. And I get it. Some judges look at some stuff differently than others, but I, I don't know. It's too widespread. So that that is definitely a problem. Like, the good guys need to fight. Like, it's the Pacquiao and Mayweather should have fought seven years ago. And <laughs> yeah, they would have probably they fought at least twice, and it would have been great, and it would have been very entertaining, and maybe the outcomes would have been the same. Right. But uh, I agree with you. I, I agree. I think that there's a lot more ducking. I think there's a lot more, um, and and I don't think you understand. We don't understand what's fixed or not. You know, Mike Francesa on the fan. I don't know if you ever listened to the fan. Of course, I mean, but you like Francesa? Are you a Francesa guy? I, I, I just that's that's like part of why I even got into any form of entertainment. That was he was like my first form. Are of, you serious? I used to listen to. I used to tape his show. Yeah. And then I would li- I'd press play on the the that's cassette. So- Come on now, kids. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'd listen to when I went to sleep. So. Francesca won't talk boxing, and when and when he says it, he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not. 
This is this like is why? Fun. Why are we like, gonna do like, this? Like, he's like, why am I gonna do this? One of these guys is gonna take a hit. One of these guys is gonna go down. Like it's fa- It's one of the. It's easiest man- to manipulate. Where I think in UFC, yes, people can say, oh, there's only two guys in UFC that can be manipulated. But I, when you're gonna kick somebody in the face and like you go in, like I feel like that is like war. Where you know, I think it can be, but I think a guy, a boxer, you know, going in there like later on in their age. And they heard a name like that, dude. You know, I, I don't know, but I bet you we would be really surprised and shocked if we found out some things that happened. I wonder, too, if it has to do with, um, and this is much more like if you really start, like boxing's been around for since like the beginning of time. But like, even if you go back to like some of the golden ages of boxing where it's, it's like you had to fight the best to make your yeah. name. You had to fight whoever they wanted you to fight to make money. And that's kind of what the UFC does where. You have the stars in UFC, you get paid tons of money. And then if you're like a journeyman, mid-level UFC fighter, like you're not probably making a lot of money. Whereas if you're like a journeyman, mid-level boxer, I'm not saying you're making way more. I'd love to actually know because I don't know the answer, but I feel like my opinion is that the mid-level journeyman boxer makes a lot, significantly more than the mid-level journeyman UFC fighter. So those guys are like fighting for checks. No, that's a hundred percent right. I, they were just I, talking. Guessing. No, they were just talking about that because I guess there's a little beef with Dana White and Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I you was saw that. that. Yeah, yeah, and like he was saying, basically, like Chuck Liddell was getting like four hundred k or something like that. And in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot of money. But when you're putting your head and your life on the line like that, and and then a boxer gets five million, like that's a big reason why. What's his name? Um, McGregor. That's yeah. a big reason why he went and fought because he's like, I'm done for the rest of my life right. if I do this right. right. I'm taking 30 million. You know what I mean? When he's, you know, he's in there. So I think boxing is definitely you get paid more handsomely. I would like to know, man, wouldn't you like to know like what was fixed? Because we've definitely seen, I mean, you know that that, uh, that Lakers-Sacramento uh, Kings game was fixed. Was that a Donahue game? That, yeah, right? Tim yeah. Don, that was yeah, a like, that was, Donahue game? And if you watch YouTube now, you well, can the fouls were ridiculous. You could look at the players going like, everyone was confused. And that was when the Kings could have won. Like, the Kings were... They the had Kings the team, had the team. Arguably, yeah. And, and all of a sudden, like, you start to see even players that don't complain. You got to watch it on YouTube. They're kind of squinting like, something's wrong. Something was clearly wrong. Well, I yeah, think that even happens. happened a few years later, like the Derek Fisher shot against the Spurs. <laughs> they were like, that shot was no good. And, and I feel like the NBA was like, no, 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 it's good. Lakers advance. Don't, don't review it. It's fine. And the NBA can fix. I'm, I'm a big, I'm not a big conspiracy guy. I am a little bit. Are you a conspiracy I, I enjoy, guy? I enjoy the shit. You love, you love conspiracy. conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Me, me too. I, I'm a conspiracy. Zach's smiling. Are you a conspiracy guy, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah was conspiratorial right there. Like he just he knows something. I'm I'm definitely yeah yeah. He's you said yeah like not only do you agree but like you know shit. Me and Jerry don't know. Like you're in on it. Yeah, (laughs) we're gonna talk. I feel like he knows about Watergate in a way that we don't. (laughs) Yeah, um, he's like we're gonna talk to him about Kennedy after this shit. But I love stuff like that. I watch the Kennedy docs. I watch. I, I like shit like that. But I believe that a lot of things have been fixed. I know somebody who said he he's he's writing a book now that the. 1969 Super Bowl with the Jets was fixed and he could prove it and he's writing a book so we'll see you know who knows he's got my money I'm gonna read it but it makes you it makes you wonder the shit that we watch think about this okay a team is about to go up 12 points in the NBA about to go up 12 if they hit a three if that ref stops calls a turnover goes back and the other team goes and hits a three that swing everything look how big that swing is now you're talking about it. Now you're talking about getting it out of reach, and now that team is climbing back in the fourth because of that bad call. And Donaghy knew it, dude. Like that was that's the one of the biggest ones to manipulate. As I think, as far as 
you know, NFL, yeah, you could throw flags. I think that they, you know, but the NFL, I, I heard that NBA, they were told, Donaghy said too, I don't know, like, call it close. Call it closer. Or uh, David Stern would be like, hey, this is the finals. We need numbers. You know, it is a business. So I think we forget that sometimes. Well, the f- fans don't ever want to think of sports as a business. Like we, as exactly. much as, as much as we know it is, because it's common sense. Um, I think the athletes have gotten a lot better grasp of, and have always ha- known much more than the fan. Like this is a business. Yes, the fans don't want to believe that because we want to believe that these guys are playing for for us, for the team pride. Like they yeah. want to win it for the fans, and some of that that is a part of it for sure. But then yeah. when you get into the fact of the business level, yeah, I mean. They're, there's stuff that we'll we'll never know. Yeah, I just it's almost like you don't ever want to meet your favorite athlete because like what if they're a dick? I know, and it ruins it for you. There's there's some outcomes like I just don't maybe want to know. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, especially if it's your team. I mean, if, if your team won, like, could you imagine if somebody was like uh, the Giants? Well, imagine if you heard. Imagine if there's a story tomorrow morning. I was like Scott Norwood was paid a million dollars to miss that kick against the Giant. Now, this is not true. There's no conspiracies out there. But I'm just saying, if we woke up tomorrow, yeah. I, my whole childhood would be a lie. If, 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 <laughs> it would be so devastating. Devastating. You know, at least we, we don't have the Knicks. To, nobody could take that. There, there wasn't We're a, clearly not fixing games. I mean, no, no. not in our generation. Anyway. Um, speaking of that, I want to get to, um, to my sponsor. This might be something that you'll love. So uh, I got to shout out my sponsor, yep. CapperNetwork.com. Now, here's what Capper Network is, by the way, Jerry. It's crazy. They reached out to me because it's perfect for what I do. It's the best online sports prediction site. So it's not gambling. So what you do is all of your dude, I called it moments. Like, I fucking told you that Cleveland was going to lose. You can Now you go on. You go to like, like NFL. You do your picks against the spread, against the under over. You do all that. You get a ranking on the leaderboard. Okay, then people could come on and actually pay for your advice if you get to the top. Now, I'm only, I'm under 50% You're right under now. under 50? I'm under 50. I'm at about 47. I'm over 50 on the NFL this year. Are you? Yeah. So, so for example, if you had CapperNetwork.com, by the way, 100% free. I'm in. 100% free. You go to CapperNetwork.com. You sign up. You get your profile. You get a ranking. Jerry, and all of a sudden you'll be on the ranking board. I'm so competitive too. You know I'm gonna I'm playing the win. Yeah, and somebody will say, "Oh well, you know what, Jerry, this guy Jerry at whatever your profile is, this guy's 55 percent. So I'm gonna pay him, and they'll just out of nowhere somebody will say, "Oh, you got like two dollars. It's not big money, but oh, somebody just paid because you think. So if you get on top of the leaderboard, you could make money that way. Or this is for novice people, people that don't know about fantasy or gambling, and you're going to Vegas. You could sign up, look at the leaderboard, and bet. One guy is like. One guy's like 70%. I'm just so this guy doesn't lose. There's a couple of guys. You're just like, he's always at the top of the leaderboard. So you could go there. You make your picks. Then you could even do a draft where you draft uh, handicappers that are number one and get your own team and make money that way. This is a no-brainer, guys. It's cappernetwork.com, and the guys are amazing. It's for NBA. It's for NFL. You pick your teams. They do contests all the time. Please check it out. It's 100% free. It's a no-brainer. So if you talk shit about sports, if you like sports, if you're competitive and you want to see where you rank against or what you would do if you were gambling, cappernetwork.com. And you can make a little bit of money that way too. Check it out. It's completely free. And uh, of course, guys, all things comedy, amazing uh, podcast network um, albums. And uh, they're just shot another. Ian Edwards just shot his special for Comedy Central. I think Jessica Kirsten. I was humbled enough uh, to be the first and, uh, you know, is doing 
doing great. My special still streaming right now on Comedy Central. Broke all their online records, and that's real. So I'm not talking shit. That's a fact. It's not a conspiracy. Uh, it's not a conspiracy. So check that out and um, and follow them at uh, All Things Comedy on Twitter as well. I'm here with uh, Jerry Ferrara, uh, one of the best dudes, one of my favorites. Um, and he's just a sports. It's like it's like it's like talking to me in the mirror about sports. Uh, you have the same pain, but you also have the same enjoyment, Jerry. You have the Yankees. You have the Giants. I mean, let's not forget the Giants won. Now, where do you stand? And I know any of my listeners who don't like when we talk sports the whole time, we'll get to other. We're going to pivot. We're going to get to other shit. But you know, Jerry is a big time New York sports guy, like I am. We have to talk about. It. I mean, it's just something that has to happen. So if you guys tune out, you know, tune back in fast forward. We'll get to some other shit later. Um, where do you stand with the Eli Manning thing now? Because I've been, I think you know this. I think we've talked about it before. I'm, I've always been an Eli guy. And now the talks are less now that they were starting to win or they won four out of five. And then they go get skunked yesterday. <laughs> then they get, yeah. And, Shut and in my mind, I'm going, we're still in this. We were still in it. We were till Barely, yesterday. But yeah. Till yesterday, there yes. was a back door in for the second wild card. Yes. Now that's dead. I got tickets. I'm taking my son on the, the 30th. The last game against the Cowboys, I thought that that was going to mean something. It still could because we could ruin their season, which is always fun. That's yeah, that's fun. We could really split. We could we, we could knock them out of the playoffs. So the Eagles are is, getting hot at the right time. The Cowboys just got shut out as well. So that game might be a we could just it's a playoff game because we could knock the Cowboys out. How great is Saquon Barkley, and how amazing is it that we have this kid for the next? I mean, is it the greatest? I, I you know when we were in that losing streak before we had the little winning streak, basically the first first half of the year i yeah. was actually saying like we got to bench him right. because i'm like let's just keep this don't run yeah. this guy 350 carries right. in a losing season like shut him down have him go do yoga for the rest of the year yeah 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 and yeah, just yeah. relax right and then we got a little hot but you could see like he he could win a game by himself so i think it was the right pick although you know obviously we never had a chance at baker because he went one darnold who looked Good in the beginning, then hit a real bad wall and then got hurt. Yeah. Now he's come back. He's like, okay. I still say Barkley was the pick, is the pick. I still endorse Eli, but ne no. We, it's time to get a mobile quarterback now. We are picking a quarterback with our first round pick. It might be five. It might be eight. It might be four. We don't know yet. Depends on how we finish, but yeah. it's time. I, I agree. Even if he doesn't play next year. Yeah, here, here's what it's, I it's it, Here's why it's time, because I saw Mahomes. I was in Denver performing, and I went Oof. to Monday Night Football. And I saw, we had good seats. We, we went to me and my buddy Steve Mazzilli. Shout out to Steve Mazzilli, owns Gotham Comedy Club. We, he was out in Denver. We went to see them play the Chiefs. And this kid, Mahomes, the thing is, where Eli would get sacked, this kid's running out of the pocket. Spins throwing out, darts. throws a dart. Yeah. Throws darts. So um, I am ready, as much as I hate to say it, I'm ready for Eli Manning to bow out. You know, I thought, I thought he might have had one more run in him, but he just, it's... In this NFL, with guys that are so fast on a defensive line like this, I just he can't. He just falls down. He can't now. create. He he drops back, and if that pressure's coming, he just he just drops. No, it's like a mannequin. It's like my nephew when I would like play like <laughs> we like play a... in this basement. I'm like, all right, I'm rushing you, and he yeah. he would see me coming, and he would just fall down because he didn't want me to tackle him. But I'll tell you what, I'll go back a hundred times out of a hundred times. I'm taking Saquon Barkley over Baker Mayfield, and he I'm taking that kid. 
I've seen this kid. Listen, I think I've said this before. I think that Saquon Barkley is a once in a twenty five year player. I just you don't see things like this. He just he's just remarkable. He's a good kid. He hands the ball back. He's fast. I just what really made me know was he was like running full speed to the sidelines, caught a ball, and I'm like, there's no way his momentum's not good. And he just stopped and turned it upfield, and then like cut, and I was like, like jumped over someone, like jumped over somebody, and he's like, and my buddy, uh, another comedian, Jason Lawhead, said something where he said, um, he goes, he kind of reminds me as much as he reminds us of Barry. He goes, he kind of so reminds you bigger. He goes, he kind of reminds you of Gail Sayers the way he runs around <laughs> tacklers, and when you watched it, it's actually it's an older guy, but. When you watch him run around a, a defender, it's similar. He's like a bigger Barry, but has like the Gale Sayers, like as far as being nimble, it's crazy. Well, because if you do the like the analysis, so Gale Sayers was such a superior athlete to the defenders back then, which are nothing like the defenders now. So 100%. he looks so graceful and powerful doing it. Saquon Barkley's now doing that at a time where the defenders are as big, strong, and fast as they've ever been. And he's looking like that. Exactly. So. Yes. That's, it, that's, it, it, it was it was the right pick, and I mean, he's already a top three running back, and he's not even done with his rookie season. So you just at this point got to pray for health. Yes, with with every NFL player, but particularly running backs, you yeah. pray for health, and you pray you if you get him for seven to ten years. I mean, it's the right pick. Yes, I think I think if he wins games for you over the next seven eight years. Yes, it's not the life of a good quarterback or franchise quarterback, but it's still like, look, if we get one Super Bowl with this kid, and look, we got Teddy Bridgewater out there maybe. You know, who else? Well, that's why I say it's the right move. And again, I, I don't want to, for your listeners, get too hardcore, but I've done the research. <laughs> Meaning, look, of course you get the number one pick. Like, for there's Andrew Lux out there, Baker yeah. Mayfield, Peyton Manning's. Like, you get the number one pick, you take a quarterback, you're set yeah. for 15 years. Yeah. It's great. But there also are Russell Wilsons out there. Mahomes, there's court. Aaron Rodgers was a late first round. There's quarterbacks yeah. that you could find in the late first round, second round that could still go on to be I, the guy. I got one for you without taking him with the number two or three pick. I got one for you. Tell me what you think of this. I was thinking, I was trying to think if I could accept this in my heart last night. If Nick Foles would leave there and the Giants would get Nick Foles, even though he gave them that fucking unbelievable championship to like if, run the team while our rookies developing sort like, of thing so like if they year? were like the giants are gonna you know like nick Foles is gonna pretty much step into the role saquon everything there and he's gonna be like yeah just maybe as we wait as we groom our rookie quarterback that we will have maybe yeah <laughs> no, we, we're, we're gonna have a rookie quarterback next year we have to right we have to yeah we have to yeah you have to yeah at this point you have no there's choice. no quarterback out there to sign that's young enough and good enough yeah. that a team would let go of that we could build around. So yeah, yeah. Y- you have to. No, I agree. I agree. This is uh this is a Verzi Effect 383. Uh Jerry Ferrara's um on the show. We're talking here. Um let's let's get back. Let's get into let's pivot, yeah, because it's starting to go down. Uh, no. I'm starting to sweat. I'm getting into like the <laughs> No, I love it. You give a shit more than me, I think, I, on certain things. Like I love watching my giants, but you give a you're a sports and and this is what we'll pivot to. You being this New Yorker, this crazy sports guy, um, and you just like acting. I think we talked about it briefly, but then you just you moved out to California to act. You didn't do any acting in New York. Oh uh, no, I did. I was you doing did. plays. I was an extra in the pilot episode of Sex in the City. I was an extra in two episodes of Law and Order. Uh, I did a ton of extra. I actually found a pay stub at my mom's house for extra work I did on the show <laughs> Oz when uh-huh. I was eighteen. And I think I was there for 15 hours and I netted $68. 
in and 1998. Just, and just as a background. Background. Just walking in the background. Yeah. What's your first acting gig ever that you got paid like for? Real, like real- Like that you got paid for, like real television. Uh, I did an episode of a Saturday morning show, similar a la like Saved by the Bell, called yeah. uh, City Guys. Anybody remember City Guys? City it was on with like Hang Time with Anthony Anderson and like- yeah, I did a show. Uh, it was like one of those NBC Saturday morning shows, and then shortly after that, the job I really got that like got me in the you got me in SAG and all that stuff was uh, I did a few episodes of King of Queens with Kevin James. So oh, okay, that was like that was, I, was just late nineties. Uh, that was two thousand. So I, I remember I, I I booked that role. I think I got paid like four grand for the week. You must I have been quit like... my job at the restaurant. <laughs> I did like that half baked where I was like, "Fuck you, fuck you, I'm out." I got paid. I'm like, "That's it. This is where it starts." I'm on a run. Uh, no, I got money. Four grand to a kid just coming up <sighs> is something is like what? You're like that's re- that's yeah. It's like you quit. That's so funny. I was you quit rich. Your job I quit. Like you, you quit your job like they gave you five million. I quit. <laughs> And then what happens five months later after a lot of beer and weed and video games, I'm out of money yeah. and I had to go get my job back at the restaurant. Oh my God. I had God. to ask for my job back and they gave it to me. <laughs> so you like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Then I did two Yo, episodes. Can I, get my- <laughs> I did two episodes of Grounded for Life. 5,500. Fuck you. I quit again. <laughs> that restaurant's like, listen, Jerry's going to keep job. booking. Jerry's just going to keep booking shit. Or he's going to f- leave. We'll just get him back. I don't need this job. Fuck you. Oh, that's so Come great. Come a job back, please. You don't, you don't seem like a weed guy to me. Oh, back in the day. Yeah. yeah you were a weed guy? More than drinking? Way more. Way really? More. And, were... and still to this day, I just, but I just can't. Uh, you, were one of those, you were one of those kids in high school. I'm sorry. I mean, to no, be, no, you, were, you were one of those kids in high school that could smoke weed and do like take a yes, test? Yes. Oh, I, 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 could, I could smoke weed and ace a test. And then also I could go to the schoolyard, win four games in a row, hold the court all day. Hi. See, I, I, I don't understand guys like you. How? Because like how? There's two types of weed smokers. There's you. Yeah. And then there's me. I, would, I just sit there, dude, almost in a panic. But if I'm like with my friends or people that I like love or my brother or something, I'm calm. But I don't know. how. I had friends like you. They'd be like, yeah, dude, we're going to go smoke and then take the test and like finals. And I'd be like, what? I just lock in. You just wow. lock in. You yeah. Go, I, it, it, in a weird way, it gave me like laser focus, but you could only focus on one thing. thing. Like if I, if I was taking the test and you asked me to like, Hey, can I borrow a pencil? I'd melt down. I'd be like, wait, what? You can't think fucking, of <laughs> What? You want to borrow a pencil? What? what? No, but if you, if I'm just locked in, like similar to basketball, I go play and I'd be like, today I'm going to play like Jason Kidd. And I would just fucking lock into court vision, court vision, just dimes everywhere. And, all, and, and the high is just going, what would Jason, Jason Kidd do? Jason Kidd. That's so funny. Dimes, dimes, pick and roll. Throw the alley. Not a big drinker. Like not a. No. Um, and it's because I don't, I don't smoke anymore um, because it did become at some point, uh, I probably, it's, it changed it like chemically for me. And maybe the weed just got a lot better where I started to become you. Where it's like, I'd be parent. I got yeah. paranoid yeah. and I got just very unproductive. Yeah. Which is always a thing with weed. Like, uh, so I, I had, and then I started actually really working. Yeah. You know, but it did help for those entourage years of knowing how to play a stoner. It certainly helped me for Turtle, but I would never have been able to keep that job if I was smoking weed the way I did when I was 20 while no. working on it. No, it would have, it, it, it would, the responsibility was too great. It's just, it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with stand up with me, like, especially over the last year leading up to the special and then now all these tour dates and working yeah. on the next one. I can't be mentally, no. I need to be mentally stronger mentally more confident i can't wake up feeling that and then knowing like even if i have a hangover now and i wake up and i know that i have a gig 
Even if, let's just say the gig's in Jersey or at the cellar. And it's nothing. It's what I do but a million still. times. But I'm like, I feel like shit. I'm going to have to shower, like get my shit together. Like I got to be. And it's like, why do that? But then you wake up sober. You're like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get it. You know, it's, it's, it's really the, funny how the substance fucks with you. The thing with drinking for me <clears throat> was always, uh, and look, I drink now. I, I, I enjoy drinking, having a drink. It's definitely more of a social, sure. like kickback one or two. I can't remember the last time I was like drunk because for some reason with weed, I could smoke a ton of weed and still be very much in control. Yeah, I that, just was in control. Like you didn't have to worry about that really terrible decision. I just, I still had, I still had some wits about me when I get, whenever like I, and I've seen it with friends and when I was a lot younger, you get really drunk and it's just yeah. like, I just don't like not having control yeah. of my decision-making and drinking. It's really, you know, once you cross that level, yeah. I just can't, I just, I need to be like, if some shit pops off, I can get us out of here. That's how I look at every situation. Like right. if something went wrong, you could look to me, I will yeah. quarterback us out of this. That's such a t an Italian, you're like, listen, I got to be in control of what the situation We've goes We've all down. had those friends too no, that drink to a point where we're like, okay, th this now we got to we gotta babysit this, this no, dude. No, no, because... it's, 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 it actually is silly. It gets to the point where you're like, what am I doing? I, I not at this age. I got kids, man. Yeah, you, it's over. At you this age, I mean? no, there's just there's But weed no weed does something for me that I also don't like. If I get stoned, I'm like two days, I'm a little foggy. And I don't like that. I get fog. I get like I don't feel I feel a little uh you know, I don't like I like being I like being sharp. I get clarity. That's I know everything that's, illuminates to me. Really? Oh uh, yes. And then, and then you go to sleep high, right? Or you go to bed afterwards, and then you wake up the next day fine, fresh as a daisy. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, it's been you know, it's been a long time for me. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, yeah, you know, like anything, I, 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 if I, it's like a little bit of the OCD in me. If I like something, I'm gonna want to do it a yeah, lot. Yeah. Well, no, that's 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 I, I you're speaking my language. That's me too. So let's talk about that. So you go out to you go out to California. Um, what year did you move out there? 2000. So you moved out there in 2000 and then, uh, you land entourage. How many years after being out there? Uh, two, I got entourage late. We shot the pilot late 2003. I remember because it was, uh, I started shooting, I think it was November. I was 23 and we wrapped on my 24th birthday of the pilot. And, you know, you go shoot a pilot and you walk away and it's like, okay, my life may or may not change. Like I may be going back to the restaurant if this doesn't get picked up or if it gets picked up, I got like a job for a year and it's going to be so more money than I've ever seen in my life. And even though season one, you're not like banking millions of dollars, but still it would have been more than I've ever seen. And you have a little, so then you could actually quit the restaurant and, and actually develop a career. Did you walk away from the pilot going, this is going to get picked up? Or did you walk away going like 50-50? Or did you think there's not going to happen? I'm going to go back home. Uh, I, th you I, I thought feeling? it was 50-50. I, I, I'm always a little bit more, as back then I was a little, now I'm more optimistic. Okay. But back then I was a little more pessimistic. Yeah. Um, I just was like, no, I remember we were up against um, another show that I remember, you know, in HBO, like they're looking at, all right, we have these four pilots and we can only pick one. That's how it goes. Yeah, and I'm like, oh man, they're definitely gonna pick this one. I would maybe even pick that one. That one sounds great. <laughs> but then I'm like, you know, we we got Wahlberg. Yeah, <laughs> that hopefully carries, and uh, it goes months. It goes like four months with no word. You waited four months. It might not have been that long. Wow, might have been three. And then I got, I remember getting a, I got a phone call from a private number. I answer the phone, and I'm like, hello. I'm like, 
Hey, Jerry, it's Wahlberg. Uh, we're picked up. We're going to start shooting in like three, four weeks. I'm going to put something together for you and the guys to hang out. All right. I'm like, yeah. Wow. Sounds great. He's like, all right, click. Like, Was that fucking real? <laughs> Did someone just trick me? You call your cousin, dude. I was like, well, you- <laughs> I call my brother. I'm like, if you're messing around, you're really a giant asshole. And, uh, and that's how quick. And within a few weeks after that, we were in production on season one. And uh, to bring boxing back into the story, yeah. Wahlberg put together a trip for me and the four guys uh, to Vegas on a private plane. You want to talk about a neurotic Italian kid who's only been on like two jet blue flights his whole entire <laughs> life or Tower Airlines before them. Yeah. And it's now like, all right, you're going to meet us at Van Nuys Airport and get on this private plane. I'm like, do, do, I, do I just say my name? How the fuck am I even going to get in? I don't even know what this is. And uh, we were on a private plane with Mark and like his four boys and the four of us. And we went to Roy Jones Jr. Antonio Tarver won. I, I first fight. It was a great one. I thought, I actually thought. What I, day were you in? What day did you get in? Do you remember? I, I want, it was either that for the Friday night before. This I think it gonna, might have been the Friday night before. This yeah, is going to fuck we both went you out, up. We went out that night and like hung out and like I had never been anywhere. Dude, this is going to fuck both of you up. First of all, did you say Tower Air? Well, that's the flight I think uh, I flew to L.A. on when I moved there. And, I, right. and maybe went back and forth to New York for like Thanksgiving. Okay, well, I, I flew anyway. The first, one of the first flights I ever taken to was Tower Air. But anyway, I was in Vegas. Tar- Antonio Tarver, Roy Jones won. The first one, which was a great fight. And this is, yeah, so, but I didn't go to the fight. I was at, there was a festival. It was a Las Vegas Comedy Festival, 2003. Okay, it was 2003. Yeah. And my wife, yeah. And it was Tarver Jones won. And my wife wanted to surprise me. So she came out after the festival. They put us up on the old strip. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's your birthday. My birthday is November. Wait, really? My birthday is November 11th. Oh, I'm November 25th. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is too fucking weird, bro. <laughs> right. So Damn it. So then my wife goes, I'm going to take you for your birthday. We're gonna, I'm going to stay an extra couple of days. We're going to stay at Mandalay Bay. And I was like, great. So she's like, so you know, do your... So I do the festival, everything like that. I'm a young comic, man. I'm just trying to get in anywhere I can, just sure, trying to do awesome. whatever. And I was there on Wednesday, the Wednesday before the fight. And I was like, I'm going to go play some... I'm going to go play some craps. <laughs> And uh, I see them walking. I see like Winky, right? Remember Winky? He's he's southpaw. Fought with his hands above his eyes. He's got a all like a mint green jumpsuit on, like a velvet mint green jumpsuit on. He's playing dice. And I go over, and I see the twenty five dollar table. I see my fucking boxing hero Roy Jones Jr. sitting there, right? Sunken in face. He lost a lot of weight for that fight. Oh, this is the Wednesday remember? before the fight. This yeah, was, this was a Wednesday before the fight. He came in. He was there. He had like a girl standing behind him and then maybe like a bodyguard. And then it was, this is, this is 100% true. So it was, then I go to the table and it, I was like, I can't afford a hundred dollar a roll, but I could roll with 25. Yeah. And it's for the story. You're doing <laughs> it for, for the, the story. story. Like, but if it was like a hundred a roll, like I can't lose $400 in that time. Like I, I can't, I, I was just not in a position at my career. I'd have to go back to the restaurant. Like I, I understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get it. But I was like, he's only at 25 a roll. I jump in there, and uh, it's me, one other person, and Roy, and I'm on the corner. And uh, the point that we needed to hit was a four. We needed to, we need a four to get the point on uh, crabs. You ever play crabs? You know, yes. yeah. So we need we need to get a four. So I go, yeah. I, I said something like, um, I don't know. I, I put like ten or five on, on a hard four. The hard, I was about to say you get, definitely went so, for the so, hard so four. I go, give me the hard four. He goes, me too. And then I hit it. And you I hit the hard. I, four? I hit the hard four, and I swear to God. 
This dude's big fucking fist goes like this to give me a pound. And I almost didn't know what to do. It was gigantic. Dude, it was like, a, I didn't know what to do. And I, I was like, do I? And then I realized, like, I was just, got, and then I kind of did that. And he kind of just smirked and smiled and, like, took the chips. And I was like, holy shit. And then uh, we ended up, then I wanted to stay. I tried to make money to stay for the fight. But I was already there for a long time. And we ended up having to leave. But that's funny that that's when you guys met. And you came in, uh, you came in there. And I believe the fight was at Mandalay Bay. Yep. And now I'm thinking about it, actually that was before we shot the pilot because you said 2003. That, that, that festival was, was 2003. That trip happened <clears throat> the week before we sh we started shooting the pilot. So that Saturday we flew back on Sunday. That Monday morning we started shooting the pilot, and then it got picked up. So we might have went to another fire. So Wal Wahlberg did something for us when we got picked up. Was it all of you? Like when I say like all of you, like the four of you, or like was like. Jeremy Piven in there. No, like, I don't think no. Piven was there. Uh, no, he wasn't. It was me, Connolly, Dylan, and uh, Adrian right. for that fight. Okay. Yeah. Um, Piven's doing stand-up now. That's what I heard, yeah. He's doing stand-up now. Like I, I, my, I, Somebody that I know was like, yeah, but, uh, the club called me to open for Jeremy Piven. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, I guess he's telling stories, getting into it. But, you know, hey, hey. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny. It's like you work hard and then somebody's like in a show and you're like, this motherfucker's selling out like this. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know, good for him though. But uh, no, I mean, a lot of people trying to, you know, trying to get into stand up, do stand up. Listen, you know my feelings on stand up. I have a great respect for it because to me, it's looks like the hardest thing in the world. You know, it's it's a long time. It's it's took a long. It time. It just looks like it's it's it really is one of the to me. It's something that terrifies me. Like if I had to do that, yeah, I, I look at you. I'm like, I don't know how you 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 do that. Yeah, it, it's meaning like I know how you do it, but like it, no, it's I I know what you mean, and I feel like you know what you do scares me, but like I'm starting to, I'm starting to get into acting more and Good. like agents for that and stuff, Good. and like I went into CBS and I did a you know I, I did a, a read for them, and it was so funny because I'm the type of person when I it was me it was like when I played basketball too, like I always had a shot. But if it was all my confidence, right? Mm -hmm. All my confidence. I knock down one or two and people think, oh, this kid could shoot, which I can. Then I'm going to shoot and all you're day. you're playing free. Then and I'm you're playing not thinking. free. You and just it's, react. It's just react. That's a great way to look at it. You're just kind of reacting and you're having fun while you're doing it. Um, and with acting, I was never like that. With acting, I was, I was petrified. I went to this sitcom acting class. Do you know who Joanna Bexton is? Joanna Bexton, she did. She worked with Ray Romano when he got the sitcom. She worked with Chappelle on acting. She does like sitcom acting classes. A lot of stand-up comedians go Use to her. her. She's been in a ton of Law and Orders. Like she's just one of those acting coaches, acting teachers. Like a guru. And it scared the shit out of me because I knew I had to work every time I went to the class. I knew I had to read a monologue in front of like ten actors. There would be a couple comedians in there. I was petrified. Um, and then towards she said she said to me she goes you're gonna be good. You're just too real with you. And that's a lot of things with stand-up. Stand-ups, some, some let it go. But when I let it go, you know, Burr was actually, Bill Burr was in France once and he saw a clip I did and he goes, dude, you can act. And I was like, I was like, yeah, people are telling me that. He's like, yeah, you could act. But I was like, yeah, I was comfortable. I was with people that I liked, the people shooting it I liked. I knew people. I felt good, you know, going in. But I, I went into CBS. I did this read and the lady, luckily, they, I'll tell you about this audition real quick. So um, they were like, listen, just so you know, the people at CBS a little, not off-putting, but it's going to be, it might be a cold little room. cold. It might be a little cold. Cold room. It might be a little cold. It's going to be, you know, uh, this lady, Amy, this other lady, and this guy. And it's going to be three of them. And it might be cold, just so you know. So I go in there, and I'm just sitting there. It's funny. The door office was open with all them in there. But I got there 15 minutes early, and they just were kind of cold. And they waited to the minute. 
to bring they, you in. They waited to the minute. It was like three o'clock, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm seeing posters of all these sitcoms <laughs> and shit. Right? And it, right at the and they were like free. They were free. They were like leisurely waiting, just right. And then all of a sudden, three. All right, get him in. I come in. They're fucking sweethearts. And he goes, just want to let you know, saw the special, so funny, this and that, and congratulations on Madison Square Garden with Bill Burr and everything. And then they just started opening up, and it was like, See, and I'm me, going, they're not cold, they're and warm. Go, and I'm going, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. So we're having this talk, and she's like, I'm going to be honest with you, though. She goes, you know, is acting something, because a lot of guys like you, it's stand-up, is acting something that you want to delve into. And I said to her, look, I was like, look, honestly, and this was when we had like a really good rapport. I go, look, I go, Stand-up's my first, okay? So, like, I'm going to do keep putting out hours, specials. You know, I want to master this. I love this, but acting is something that I definitely want to get into. I'm starting to do a little more, and it's something I want to do. And we have this good talk, and then she just goes, uh, all right, great. She goes, well, did you do the read? Do you have the, the script that we go? And I go, I go, yeah, I do. And she goes, all right, well, we're going to go in the other room and do it. And I did the read, and as I did the read, she tilted her head, and she goes, well, that was actually really good. Can I just have you do, do it this way? So now I got, now my confidence is Trying up. Trying to see if you could take direction. Yeah, so, but yeah. now my confidence is up. But now, listen, you're gonna, shoot your shot. You're going to laugh at this shit though, Jerry. So like I start, I got confidence after the first one because I knew I nailed it. But she's like, do it this way. So now I'm really letting go and I'm really the character and I'm crushing it. But then halfway through, I just, there was one line that I didn't know if it came before or after. So I stopped. I go, I go, I'm so sorry. I go, can I just, I go, can I just do this one more? Can I just run it again? She goes, yeah. She goes, that time was great. Do that. So I knew. And then I got it the third time. But I, I went and I realized, I was like, why did I, why did that audition go good? And I'm, why, why did that audition go good? And why did I do the, re and I figured it out. I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but I'm going to, I don't give a fuck about being in a sitcom. I don't care about that. Like I, listen, if I could get a part and you think I'm good for the part and I'm going to have fun with the part and it's like my comedic voice for that. I'm going to love it, but I'm not going in to CBS going, this is my shot. It's not your life's not your life and career is not dependent upon my it. life and career is not dependent on me getting on a show <clears> on CBS. <throat> However, I did like the character. I did like the comedic voice that that character was. So when I did it, I'm like, great. If they want me this for this, be great. awesome. This would be great. Th that's exact. This would be great. But if not, guess what? Like I'm going to get a better hour. I'm going to go keep getting a better hour and get a better hour. And I'm going to keep, you know, selling tickets and letting my stand up fans. Cause that's what I wanted to do. And I figured when you're loose and comfortable, you know, but when you were auditioning for Turtle and it came down to the end, like when it was down to you and like one or two other turtles, that was very stressful. Did you, did you, you, yeah, like I could imagine because you're going, look, this, my life is. Well, also to give you a little reference, and this is back in the day, I don't even think they do this anymore, but what the final step is. Yeah. So <clears throat> as far as the producers, Doug Allen, Steve Levinson, uh, and Wahlberg, I believe I was the guy. So I did have that level of confidence because I had auditioned 20 times for them before going in front of HBO and they start pairing you up with people. They're just trying to find the cast, right? So they never promised me. They never said like, it's yours to lose. But, you know, I, I definitely had that confidence. But the final day, which is ultimately it's HBO's call. I mean, they're funding the whole thing. They get, it's their money. They get to say who gets the part. So that final day, at least back then, the network test is they basically bring three or four choices for each role. Right. So you're in this giant lobby waiting room at HBO and you're like, all right, there are the turtles and there are the Vinces and there are the E's. You see the, and you're like, one of each of these categories is their life's going to change. So you start doing solo auditions. They bring each, each character in by themselves. You read with a casting director and it's in like a theater. You walk in, 
and it's like similar lighting to this and you can't really see who's in the audience but you see like shadowy face you see Wahlberg back there you see Chris Albrecht the president of HBO you see Doug and it's like okay and I remember doing my solo yeah it's like I'm in the fucking Olympics I was doing my solo <laughs> before a group and uh Jerry with the disc. I, I, I kind of did what I thought I'd been doing I thought it was good and I go outside into the waiting room and couple of guys going after me and then i shit you not is a true story <clears throat> and i've told this before so i'm sorry if anyone in your audience actually heard the story before i doubt it but no yeah Wahlberg comes out of the theater room and he's like motioning in my direction like to tell someone to come here i'm like looking what the fuck is he talking and i realize it's me i'm like oh god all right so i get up i'm like walk over and it's still like at the time i'm still 23 years old it's still mark Wahlberg. like the guy is like right achieved a lot of shit at this point and he puts his arm around me he's like listen you're kind of blowing it a little bit right now. I went, I am? He's like, look, that was fine, but you just did. That was good, but that's not what you've really been doing. Like, I want you to be yeah. be you. Do what you were doing. Like, don't get, he basically was telling me, don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck about the script. Like, yeah, don't give a fuck who you, who's in that room. Just go seize the moment because this is the moment. You know, everyone's like, well, always said, oh, I wish I had the opportunity. You, This is the opportunity. This is it. Now. Wow, yeah. So it like it almost like someone dosed me with like cold water in my face, it, like snapped me up, and then so then they start matching you up with other characters. And I remember they matched me up with Kevin Connolly. It was just the two of us, and we did a scene, and it crushed laughter. And you never get laughter in those rooms. Yeah, they were laughing. And you and never it, met Kevin before this. Never met any of the guys before. So you just had instant chemistry with instant him? with him, and uh, and then at, they they start sending people home. So they're like, okay, you could go home, you can go home. And then at finally, the last, it was me, Connolly, Dylan, and there was someone different for the Vince character. It wasn't Adrian because Adrian wasn't in LA. He had submitted a tape and we did our scene. And then they were like, all right, you guys could go. And I'll never forget, I said there was three or four people for each character. That's true, except for Johnny Drama. There was only Kevin Dylan. Because <laughs> at one point in that scary room where everybody's nervous, Dylan stands up and is like, hey, uh, who else here is for Johnny drama? And Connolly, I think, stood up and was like, no one, you probably fucking got the part. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go smoke a cig. And he like went outside. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? That guy's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think Dylan was like the guy from, they, from yeah. the moment he opened up his mouth. That's great. That's yeah. so great. He's a Westchester guy too. Yeah, that's they're, right. They're from Mamaronic. Uh, Mamaronic, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great story. Uh, that's yeah. a great story. So if you guys, any entourage, we didn't talk about that the first time um, on the show, but, and I know, cause I didn't want to, I know you were like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's now, so many people probably, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to be like, so dude, what was it like being turtle? It's like, it's fucking awesome. But It's different now though too. Cause so much time has passed. Right. Whereas like when you're in the moment, you're almost a little defensive about it. Now it's just, it literally is like talk. I'm talking about such a great time in my life. It's, it's so, yeah. It's very nice nostalgia for me. Are you um, are you in touch with all those guys still or no? Uh, yeah, most of them. And yeah. it's not because of any... Re I mean, Kevin Connolly and I are, are pretty tight uh, to this day. And similar with Dylan. Uh, Adrian and I... Not, not that we're not tight. It's just he's off doing so many different things. Like, our paths just, just don't life, cross as life, much. Yeah. Life, yeah. And, um, but yeah, like Kevin Connolly I talk to on the regular. That's That's... And, and Dylan too, but Connolly's—that's that's my boy right there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Great it was, dude. No, it was uh, it was such a it was such a great show, and I think for us and other people, like even.
comics that weren't acting, just lo- no, like liking the business, knowing the business and seeing it out there. And I liked seeing, you know, um, the, when I was able to watch it and I watched a lot, but when I was able to watch it, I always loved the New York guys out in LA. That was a big part of it. That's, that's, you know, like watching you walk around out there with your Knicks hat on and doing all shit like that's like when I go out there to do stand up or visit, like I feel like I've just, yeah, that cause we're not going to change who we are. So it's like, you're out there and it's, it was, it was great, man. It was really it was cool. a big, that was a big part of it. And, and also for me, cause I, I, I was there for three years, but still, I was still like making my way. I, I learned a lot about LA and and just the geography of it, but also a lot about the, the business aspect of it through the show. Like as we're doing some, especially the early years, yeah, you know, it was kind of like cool little insight to, to seeing what maintenance it really does take for an actor to have longevity and how quickly it could be gone. As I know, I know as, as, as somebody who starred in it, what do you have a favorite episode? Like if you had one, like is one that you're just like, that was like the, cause I think Sopranos, my favorite episode of Sopranos was the one with the Russian dude in the snow. Uh, Pine Barrens. It's called. Wow. No, no, yeah. no. I am. Yeah, okay. I could teach a, a class on Sopranos philosophy and facts. Are we, this is the one thing that we did that we did have a, a disagreement on. I love Sopranos, but I was, I was disappointed a lot of episodes because I would be like, all right, this is gonna be. The-. I felt like they would, they fucked with me a couple times. I was like, like Maybe a soap opera, like a soap, right? Maybe they I'm did. Like, like they would go too, and I'd be like, come on, man, like I get it, like the asbestos and shit, I get it, but like I want to see, I want to see some shit, you know. And maybe that's just being a, you know, seeing all the other mob movies. Um, but I will say this: it's a great show. So that, that it's it's Sopranos is a great show. My favorite episode though was the Pine Barrens. Pine Barrens that was my. Do you? So if somebody said, Paul, you're going to watch one, I would watch that one. Or if somebody, I may, maybe it's weird because you're in it, but when you watch it, did you watch the show? Or? Uh, you know, I, well, I would go watch them early. So when they were still kind of in editing before they were finally right. finished, I get it. Doug would always say, Hey, you want to come, come. And, and for me, it was helpful. Not even cause like, I personally hate watching myself. Yeah. just like, you know, like, I get it, I, yeah. I, I'm not down with it, but it was helpful at least for me to kind of see what works what what maybe doesn't work what got cut i was just trying to learn so i would go see the episodes early but no i was not sitting there sunday night like yeah. with popcorn right no, no I, just, I, could, I couldn't watch I, it. I, I can't do it because all i'm gonna think about is just oh i should have did that differently it's, i could have been so much better i was terrible it just is not something pe- i do people don't people don't understand how an artist does not like to do to talk about or not to talk about, but like talking about it now in the aftermath is fine. But like about like when even talking about my special when it came up, so hard for me to watch it. My wife is like, "We're gonna watch it, right?" And she sat up and watched it, and I like stood up. I stood up, and she goes, "Are you gonna stand the whole time?" And I would just watch it, and then I and I was definitely very happy with it, but I was it was also like I don't want anything to do with this anymore because you did it you know it's like it's not that like you're not proud of it but it's almost like you want to not that you want to move on and separate yourself but you you're you're you want to think of the next one right and you want to think about like what can i do better or what right exactly that's what an artist does and johnny depp was on uh i think was it letterman once i think johnny depp was on letterman once it was a great answer uh letterman goes uh i understand you don't watch any of your work when it's done and he goes yeah and letterman goes why not and he goes because it's none of my business. And everybody <laughs> went nuts. But um, I was actually, I remember talking to, uh, a great line. talking to Louis C.K. once. And he goes, why do you, because I was, I was, um, I had like 90 
like 90 comments on my special, like when it first came out. And it was like, man, this dude is funny. Uh, glad Comedy Central took a guy like this. And then all of a sudden I would see like, you know, yeah, the, this guy, you know, fuck this guy or, or whatever. Or like, you know, and then somebody was like, which is crazy because if you know me, I'm so in the middle politically. Somebody goes, yeah, this was funny until I saw his democratic propaganda. And I, and, and I, and like a dick, I went at him. I wrote at him. I go, dude, if you listen, I go, I'm not even a Democrat. If you listen to my thing, I'm an independent. And, and then he goes, oh, he came back. Oh, really? Maybe I need to watch it again. And I realized this guy just wants to get it. And then so I remember Louie one time and other comedians going, what are you doing? Like, what are you? And I, it, it was an adjustment. And I, I remember, you know, Burr, he's, he's, a, he's a mentor to me too, as much as he's, you know, one of my best friends in the world. But he was like, you're going to have to go through an adjustment now. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's an adjustment period when you get to another place in your career and it's going to take you. And he said, a guy like you, two weeks to a month. And he was 100% right. Cause like my wife is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, this fucking guy on here said, this guy doesn't know me. And my wife was like, are you, it's a, your special's out. Your special's out there, Paul. And I'm in the mode of like, this guy doesn't know me. Right. Why is he saying like, that? Like, this guy doesn't know me. Like, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, that's not reality anymore with that. You put a special out that, that's out there for, on demand for anybody to see, somebody's going to be a dick. And I had to learn that. But uh, that and not well, liking to watch myself. So not looking at comments and not even watching the project anymore. And now I'm on to the next thing. And that's the best way to do it, like to just ignore it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I went through that a little bit myself because, uh, you know, when Entourage did come out, it was you know, there was no Twitter, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think Entourage, I don't know what it would have been like if there was like Twitter recaps and live viewings and stuff like that. But there was, you know, a lot of critic and blog websites and stuff. There was a website that was like dedicated to getting people to sign petitions to kill my character off the show. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, and, and that and for, it, it would bother me and I would read it. And then worse, like my mom would read stuff yeah. and would not understand why people were mean. And I was very young. I didn't understand it either. But then you really like one of the most powerful traits you could have is self-control, meaning like, you know, that stuff's out there, but you're yeah. not going to respond to it. Yeah. And, you know, why? Why? It's not that you shouldn't watch the stuff in the negative, but it's done. You can't change that special. The special you did. It's, it's, done. it's done. You can't re-edit it. Right. You can't re go redo a joke. It's done. Yeah. There's nothing you can yeah. do to change yeah. it. So let it live. Yeah. And it will live on longer than you and I. <laughs> yeah. Let it live and go on to the next. Yeah, that's it. No, that's that's really, it took me that. And I'm like, and it's almost a freedom now. Yes. I have a freedom. It's easy now. It's like, yeah, okay. Someone didn't like it, but you know, we're only human. You of know? course. Somebody's like, oh, Turtle's my least favorite character on the show i don't like and then you read that and like as as a human being just as a human being and listen maybe i'm being a sensitive bitch i maybe i am listen i am a definitely you know i'm a sensitive dude i take things to heart i think i wear it on the sleeve that's just who i am i've learned now in the business to kind of let stuff go but if somebody says something you know you're like uh and then you realize now you know what it is jerry it's them it's about them it's not even about me they're going through shit they're not happy you ever hear that? You ever see what uh, Sarah Silverman did to that guy who called her a? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. flipped it on him. Yeah. And she's like, "I saw your profile. Thing. You look like a nice guy." And all of a sudden, he's like, "Yeah, I'm going through a hard time." And she just flipped it. And it's like, I think a lot of that is that these people live through that. These trolls live through going. This guy's doing something with his life. This guy's an actor. This guy's a singer. This guy's a comedian. This guy's doing something. I'm gonna critique. The only fucking say I have in this. Is for me to critique it. It's the only way I could be a part of it. And you realize it's almost sad. It's almost like, you know what? You say whatever. You get, and especially if you react hate. to it. If yeah. you react to it and right. they know 
that you read it and internalized it and it bothered you. Yeah. It's almost like, it, you know, that negativity is doing push-ups now, getting stronger. It's like, I'm going to come back next time. That's I'll right. I'll be even stronger. That's 100% right. And and um, we went to a Buccaneers-Patriots game. Me, Joe Bartnick, Bill Burr, um, the, the Berkowitz from WME, and we all go to this Patriots-Bucks game in, in Tampa. And we took a picture together. We're like drinking and we're having a good time. And we put it on Twitter and people started saying like, yeah, Bartnick, nice haircut. Hey, Verzi looks like your little brother. And, and we're in the car ride. We're driving back and they're all talking and I'm quiet. I'm drunk. <laughs> and Burr goes, this is a great story. The listeners are like the Burr goes, Verzi, what are you doing? Because, you know, usually I'll jump into the sports talk. We just saw a game. <laughs> and you're just all quiet. And, and I'm, I'm fucking, I just responded to every tweet going. That's my friend, you piece of shit. You fuck. You got you 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 got nothing. What are you nothing? And then all of a sudden, and Bill's just in the front going, "Don't do it." He knew. He goes, "Paul, don't. What are you doing? I gotta Put don't the phone do it." Down. And I'm going, "Yeah, we had a good time at a game. You fucking you know hating asshole." And I just went. I almost did all of them. I just kept going. And then finally, I was like, I ended up deleting all of my responses because I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't have people see that I was, I was just being a drunk idiot who like, I felt bad. And I feel like one of the tweets hurt my friend. So I just, I got pissed. You're being, you look, you, you know what I mean? It's not a bad trait to have. Unfortunately, in the entertainment business, <laughs> exactly. it's not the strongest trait to have because you, you're, you know, you're going to get put through the ringer a little bit. I mean. There's been a few times I've responded to people like on Twitter and yeah, I'm not even too. kidding you the half the time. It's like, oh, I didn't even really mean I was just saying that. No, that's it's the like, same thing. Well, that, well, yeah, then I, you know what? I'm the asshole for responding. Yes. Not them. I just should. He's like, I just want to see if you were cool that you responded. I'm like, no, oh. that, I, that's what it is. And it's like, oh man, I didn't, you know, some guy said something about one of my jokes. I go, yeah, well, you know, it's not the hard work or anything that I put something. And he goes, oh no, dude, you're one of my favorites. I'm just saying it's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's just what they want. And then so. there's like the other point. It's like. Well, if you're going to respond to the negative shit, you should respond to the positive stuff. I won't necessarily, I mean, I do, but like, then I don't want to seem like the guy who's only like retweeting nice things and yeah. like respond, like, so I just decide that maybe you don't respond as much yeah. or you just pick and choose. Um, all right, before we wrap this up, we, we did an hour. This is, it's always so quick. We got to do it, it more. Does fly by. Like it's, yeah. we got to do it more. We got to do sports. No, picks. we're gonna go. Sm we're gonna go smoke a cigar and talk about 2019. That's yeah. what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. We gotta. I mean, we gotta do like a Super Bowl special where we break it down our way. Do you know what's crazy? I talked to. I talked to somebody that's like we're gonna talk about. It, but somebody was like, man, like comedy and sports. Norm Macdonald tried to do it. Jay Moore tried to do it. There is a. Re there's a, something doesn't work with comedy and sports and many comedians, great comedians have tried it. And so many of us comedians, uh, love sports and talk sports. You mean on the commentary way? What do you, yeah. So like, I was always like, what about a sports show where you could just kind of talk and be funny. And it's really, it really, it, the, the sports listener, the main audience member of, of, of that show wants to hear sports. And I'm like, yeah, but even the way we talk is funny. Like I'm saying, like, what if we just talk the way we're talking? And I mean that for funny, not throwing in jokes. No, and that's what I. But that's the thing. I think sometimes it got too joke driven. It, it can't be jokey with a punchline. You can't. I, I think it's the sort of thing where, like, if you just talk about sports and it has happens to be, you always have a, a typically funny approach to things. You know, it's gonna come off. The comedy's gonna play. I like what I'm sure if somebody put a camera on me and you watching the Giants in a playoff game on a third and eight, the shit that comes out of our mouths naturally, like not even no, we're not trying to be funny. 
Dude, I have, I, but I'm not one of those. I'm not a yell at the TV. By the way, I'm not a yell at the TV guy, and I don't get devastated. I get quiet in a loss. So I'm not one of these lunatics, just so I, you know. I'm a lunatic. Uh, yeah, I have a couple <laughs> friends who, who pace it. I don't scream at the TV. Oh, I'm a lunatic. I get sad. I get down. I put my head down. I get, I'm just, I, I get in a little shock. I'll just stare. I'll never forget when Reggie, Reggie put the three up, Ugh. and it went in, and then you just see the guys in the background going like this. I remember, I couldn't even yell no. I couldn't, I just sat there, and I just, it was just like witnessing a, it was like witnessing a puppy get run See, over. See, I, I threw stuff and yelled at a TV <laughs> for the ref not calling the push on Greg Anthony, I think it was. Reggie Miller pushed Greg Anthony on the inbound pass. Oh, And it didn't okay. get called. So, like, that's what happened. May, I think Mason was inbounding the ball, and, like, he faked, and then Reggie Miller bit on the fake and then, like, rode Greg Anthony and pushed him. And, and then Mason, like, was, like, falling forward, so he threw it in, and yeah. Greg Anthony falls and Reggie Miller caught the... So I, I was still screaming 10 minutes after the game wow, that the ref that's... didn't call the fucking foul. Uh, yeah, so you start... Yeah, yeah. You're... I went to the schoolyard after that and was just mad as fuck. <laughs> oh, I remember God. when the Giants won the Super Bowl, though. I jumped around. I jumped around like I... You would have thought I won like the, the Powerball. All right, you want to you wanna rap on a funny... It's a sports thing. Yeah. And you might not be able to give the answer yet, but we could we could let the audience think about it and we could talk about it over the cigar, okay? Yeah, let's do it. You're a Knicks fan like I am, yep. correct? What championship would you be willing to give up for any of your other Team. sports teams to say the Knicks would have won that championship in 94? Oh, okay. Which one would you trade? Because I'll give, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you a double answer. Number one, that's a phenomenal question, and everybody should think about that. And write in to uh, unacceptablesfortve at gmail.com with your uh, answers, and I'll read them on the next show. That's a great question. I'll even take it further. I'll give up 15 years of any of my team. I'll give up 15 years of the Yankees and Giants winning for one. For really? One, I'll give up 15 But, years. like, would you give up the 96 Yankees world? That was such a great had comeback to- down 2-0. I'm not giving that one up. If I have to give up one, I'll give the the the, the Padres the nine, Yeah, Yeah. I would not give up the Subway Series. No, I was at that. I was at game one. By of the that. way, I moved it. That's when I, that's my luck. I moved, moved to LA and the fucking, the thing I thought would never happen ever yeah. was a Subway Series. Yeah. The next World Series <laughs> after I leave LA, after I leave New York, Subway Series. Uh, I'm not giving that one up. No, you can't. Give, I'll give up 99. I'll give up the Padres sweep because the Padres sweep, we were just, it I'm wasn't. I'm not giving any of the Giants Super Bowls up. I'm not giving that second one against the past. That was the affirmation. That was the ownage. It can't, I can't give either of those up. Those, actually, those are two of the greatest champions. I might say this. I might have to say this. Maybe the 85, whatever, the first Broncos one, because I was such a little kid and didn't yeah. really know. I'd maybe like 55 give 55 to 10 or whatever it was. Yeah. I wouldn't give, I'll say this, I wouldn't give up either Giants one for anything. No. Uh, I would give up the, the, the sweep against the Padres. Um, yeah. Or maybe... Even that one against the Phillies, like it was A Rod's first. There's something still nice to that story. It was a new generation of Yankees, so I don't know. But I would give up the night, the the sweep against the Padres for a Knicks championship. The, the, I agree with you though. The the 09, I don't like the 09 one either. I do, and I don't like because ah. then finding out that he was on juice May, during that magic run of, of that his, one could go. That one could go. So I say 90. But if you take that one away, it's a long time since the Yankees won a World Series. I know. If you take that one away, you got to go back to 90, uh, the Subway Series. Because then they lost to uh, uh, Arizona. Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question for other sports towns, too. Oh, you could do that for any town, yeah, that's really. A, that's a beautiful sports question. So, yeah, right, right into that. That's a good one. But- I wonder, like, do you think the cat, the, do you think the fit? I, I think I can answer this. My wife's from Cleveland. I feel like they might trade that Cavs. Championship for a Browns Super Bowl. I mean, the Browns are the Browns. 
that's but yeah. you know they came back down three one against the Warriors. I don't know. That's a big one. I would love to go ask some Cleveland people if they would make that trade. <laughs> oh, I could sit here with uh, Jerry Ferrara. I mean, we could just sit here. I mean, that was an over an hour went like that. So much more to talk about, but we're going to do it again. We're going to definitely do it again. Zach, thanks for being here. Yes, thank this you. Has been, no, thanks for being here, Jerry. Uh, we're going to go chill. So Let's go. Uh, this is uh, 383 Verzi Effect. Um, and yeah, I'll re- answer answer that question and email it to me. Whatever town you're in, what championship would you give up for your problem child team to get one? That's a great sports question because I don't think, and, and we have a luxury though. See, here's the thing. We have a luxury because we have, mo- the Yankees are the Yankees and the Giants have like some monster Super Bowls. Um, some towns don't yeah, have. Some fans, some listeners might not. Some guys might, in Seattle might, right now going, fuck like, you. You're quite, you know what? We'll take our fucking team back. <laughs> I'll trade the Seahawks championship for the Sonics. How about that? Oh, man. Uh, thank you, guys. Until next week, we're out of here. Check out CapperNetwork.com. Um, you got a good movie to, to uh, a good movie to see? In general? Anything that you saw? Anything recently that you I saw? Seen? Uh, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. How was that? I saw Stars. Bohemian Rhapsody, really good. Yeah? Really good, yeah. Really good. Stars Born, good? Really good. Really good. Okay. Bradley Cooper, man. Yeah, and he like really sang, right? He like really did some things in that movie. He did some things. So there you go. I didn't see either of those. The <laughs> last one I saw was Creed 2. I already did the review on Creed 2. I already told you guys. By the way, thank you for writing in. Did you see did you hit listen to Dirty John? Of course. You did? Of course. Dude, you are this fucking guy. Um yeah, so everybody's hit me up saying that they like Dirty John. I'm hearing that the Steve McNair one, rest Ooh. his soul. I mean, did you see that? You didn't hear that one yet, right? No. I heard that the Steve McNair one, you want to talk about conspiracy, there's a podcast about the killing of Steve McNair who played for the Tennessee you know, Titans. Connelly did souls. tell me about to watch that, there, to listen to that. There's basically what they're saying is his close friends and family. Apparently he did tell his wife he was going to leave her and wanted to leave and tried to leave her. So it's not the whole, oh, keeping a secret thing and that his close friends think that some fishy stuff happened. I did not listen to it, but... Uh, I love Dirty John, and now I'm into this shit. So. Let's listen to it and discuss. <laughs> Let's do that. That'll be our Christmas break. And I love McNair, Homer. man. That's brutal, dude. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, de- we're definitely going to do something. But uh, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Zach. And uh, this will be up uh, tonight. Talk to you guys soon.